And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Joining us now is a man who needs no introduction. He happens to have predicted so many things that have come true. I think when 2020 came around, everyone was saying, well, I guess David Icke was right about this. He was right about that. Welcome back to the show. Mr. David Ike. David, thank you for being with us. Thanks very much, Ryan. Thank you. I remember the last time I saw you in person was in 2019. We were in New York City. And when I met you, I felt like I was meeting one of the Beatles because you were just, it was just so awesome to meet your present. And I was trying to make a positive. (laughs) That was when they were trying to ban your documentary film. It was kind of strange. That was like, you had the film coming out and every place you went to, they would cancel or they would do something because to see how all your perspectives over the years have just kind of come true. So David, the first question we have is, can you please tell us about this new book that's come out? Yeah, it's called The Dream. And um, it goes on from my last book, which was called uh, The Trap. Because, you know, you can um, get to a certain point in uncovering uh, conspiracy, uncovering reality. And you can reach a point of, if you like, here and no further. And you then basically create an eddy in a river. And the river is flowing by, but you're in the eddy going round and round and round. And um, I've never uh, been interested in um, that stagnation, that way of saying, well, I've gone as far as I, I need to go. Because, you know, when you look at um, how little of reality that we can actually see, it's so tiny, the band of frequency that we call uh, visible light. It's laughable that no matter what you think you know and what we um, believe we've concluded, one thing is for sure. and cannot be questioned and cannot be challenged um, credibly. And that is that whatever we think we know, there's always more to know. There has to be in the situation that we find ourselves uh, with this narrow band of frequency that we can actually perceive when infinite reality exists beyond it, beyond its its, uh, frequency um, limits, if you like. So what I've done, Ryan, since uh, 1990, is just pursue deeper and deeper in the rabbit hole, knowing that wherever I get, the rabbit hole goes deeper still and deeper still. And so I started out um, uncovering and communicating the if you like, the five sense level of all this, the names, dates, places, the tangible. And then I uh, 
reached a point of of uncovering that and seeing how the the web works in the world of the scene. And then I thought, but hold on a minute. Um, when did this start? And so you go back, because obviously this massive global structure that I talk about, I call the global cult, um, has, has not been put together in five minutes, five years, 50 years. goes back a long, long time. It's been progressively uh, put together mm. to the point now where it's a global entity. And so I went back and back and back, and you can get comfortably back through the Roman Empire to ancient Babylon and Egypt, and it goes further back, but you can pick it up there and run with it. And then the next question was, well, okay, it's been going since those ancient times, gathering more and more and more centralization of power until now. It's like I say, it's a global phenomenon. so there has to be a common theme. There has to be an organizational structure or force that has spanned this long period of what we call time that this has been going on because you've had people coming in, being born, playing a part in advancing this agenda and ultimately of total global dystopia. And then dying and other people come in and, and all these different generations follow each other. That There had to be this organizational force. And that's when I started um, coming across the non-human element to this, um, what people call aliens. But having gone through all that and put all that together and been massively ridiculed for it, um, what was it um, Socrates in ancient Greece is supposed to have said words to the effect of wisdom is knowing how little we know. Mm-hmm. That keeps your mind open because you know, but whatever you know, there's more to know. So it's like, okay, so, but why don't we see these, quote, aliens that are manipulating human society via this global cult that all these ancient societies talk about They call them gods in their various ways. They call them different names. But if you break it down, what they're describing is the same. And so who are these gods and where are they? And that's when you start realizing that this reality, this human reality as we perceive it, is actually uh, manipulated from another reality, another dimension of reality that, that interpenetrates this one, but is on a different frequency. Thus, we don't see it. We are influenced by it. And a lot of the so-called paranormal stuff comes from it. But we don't see it in the normal course of uh, the uh, a human life because the human body is programmed only to pick up this Visually, visible light frequency range. So, where's the origin of this um, intervention? Say again. Where where is the origin of this other dimension that's infringing? Well, I mean, this this other reality, uh, esoteric uh, thinkers and going way back uh, have called it the fourth dimension as opposed to Mm -hmm. the third dimension. They've called it the astral, Um, and that's basically from where this 
human world is actually manipulated because, you know, this global cult is a network of secret societies. And what are secret societies there for? To keep secrets. Uh, from who? From the general population. And indeed, through compartmentalization from the vast majority of the people that are in the secret society network. Um, and the, the, the great secret, or one of the many great secrets, is that this world of the scene is actually being manipulated from the unseen. And this um, global cult is the unseen's vehicle for manipulating the world that we uh, perceive. And this then continued. And then I got after, immediately after the turn of the millennium, in fact, just before that, I really got into the the nature of reality, the illusory nature of reality, the fact that physicality is how we experience the world, but it's not actually physical and so on and so forth. And then um, just after the turn of the millennium, um, I just had this overwhelming, if you call it knowing, if you like, that actually we live in a simulation, a uh, an advanced, a very advanced version of a virtual reality game. Uh, and that, you know, the people who put on a, a headset in a virtual reality game, it might be an empty room like this one, but they're thrashing around and because their mind, their perception, their senses are being convinced that actually this virtual reality game is real. Uh, but they have, and we see it all the time. He's ah, all this stuff. Yeah. And but what you can do with a headset is you can do that. Oh, it's just a game. It's not real. Uh, you know, it's. But if the body, if the body, is designed and programmed to decode the simulation, the matrix. You can't take that off, short of leaving the body. You can't take that off. So I would just say this um, in terms of perception of reality and the simulation. If you um, are in the womb with a headset on, the developing body, if you leave the womb and your parents have got headsets on, and you go to school and you're, all your mates have got headsets on, the teacher's got a headset on, you then go to um, university and your professor or your academic has got a headset on. You turn the television on and uh, someone says, hello, good evening, here's the news, and he's got a headset on. Um, and everything that you, every, you, you go to work and people around you in, your, in your, your job, your company, whatever, have all got headsets on. And they're all um, decoding reality in basically the same way because that's what this does it's a biological headset let's put it that way um then of course um you have no other means of comparison um between the reality you're experiencing and the reality that lies beyond that realm that you're experiencing so of course it becomes your complete reality well how would you take it off, though? How would you take the headset off? And I'm so glad you brought up the simulation, David, because 
in, I had to say it lately, when I look up at the sky, it, it is always when I look up at the sky, that is when I get the big, biggest intuition or feeling that this is a simulation. The sky just does not look real for some reason. I don't know. And I've noticed it a lot more lately. I don't know if it's always been this way. But when I look up at the sun, when I look at the moon, when I look at the formation of the clouds, there's something off. It is it is a deep and intuitive feeling. I don't understand why, but um, I want to bring it to your it's attention. It's funny also, you say that because okay. um, around, uh, what would it be? Um, maybe, I don't know, 2003, maybe something like that. Um, I was sitting not a million miles from here at a cafe, sitting outside. And um, I looked up, just to look up at the sky as you're talking about. And what I saw was a massive dome. Really? It was, it was you know, you know um, uh, the Truman Show, where yeah. it was all within that dome, but everyone thought it was real. Um, it, was, it, looked, it looked like that. And um, whether, whether that's literal or symbolic, I mean, a lot of communication comes symbolically. Um, and and the, 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 what what's interesting is that when, when I first had this um, this this knowing that this is a simulation, what I also got at the same time was that the um, limit of the simulation at this level we'll get into there's other levels of it um, is the speed of light. Um, and the speed of light's not the fastest speed possible. <laughs> it's it's the the speed of this um, this simulated reality. And in 2021, uh, in the Scientific American, an academic wrote an article um, in which he said this is a simulation. I he believed it was a simulation, and the the limit of the simulation is the speed of light, which is like nearly 20 years after I, I, I got that stuff and started talking about it. The point being, though, a very interesting point he made. He said, um, what, one of the things I've been uh, pointing out over these simulation years, if you like, is that what we call the laws of physics in this reality are actually the, the laws of the simulation. They're, they're, they're the encoded uh, nature of the simulation. So if you have a virtual reality game, whoever's created the game writes the codes that control the game. And that's what the laws of physics are. This is why when people have near-death experiences and they, they leave this uh, reality, they experience a very different reality, very different uh, nature of the laws of physics. Um, and so um, what he was saying uh, is that you can have uh the the encoded rules of the game but you're always going to be limited by your processing speed and he related i think rightly the simulation um limit of the speed of light to processing speed okay um and and so what what has been happening uh, as you will know since I started talking about this because when I when I got this, obviously the first thing I did was start searching around. Who anyone else saying this? And I found one guy, uh, Nick Bostrom at Oxford University, who was saying that this could be a simulation. But the way he was describing it and how it came about is very different to the way that I see it. But what has happened since then is that more and more mainstream scientists have have concluded that actually this is a simulation because once you can once you conclude that suddenly so many of the great mysteries of life as they're called 
disappear because they can be explained by by the simulated reality. And what what's um, where I've gone in the dream, big time, deeper, deeper in the rabbit hole. I think there's some things in the dream. There's quite a lot in the dream that has never been written before. Um, and what I've gone into, I started with the trap and now the deeper with the dream um, into this whole uh, idea of reincarnation. So uh, I is looked at it. Is that a trap, the, by the way? Is that, is, that a, is that a trap? It's a trap, because, yeah. You know, a trap. I don't. Okay, because I, I, I have a couple of my friends, they've had really profound near-death experiences. And I talk to them, David, because I want to prepare myself, like when I do pass, sure. to be fully aware and anticipating what's going to happen because I don't want to reincarnate in, in the human form. I want to get out of it. I actually feel when I have dreams are the, are the most, that's when I feel like I truly experience reality. I don't, I don't want to come back in the physical body again. Uh, I want to come back and go on to a different evolution. This is, this is, this is, this is, well, there's many things that come from that. This is why um, the nature of reality is so rarely debated um, within the mainstream because they don't want you to know what this reality is because the, the dominoes start to fall when you do, when you, when you start to understand Things that, like I say, that are unexplainable become explainable, very simply explained. And also you start to get the true nature of this trap because, you know, um, I've done uh, and I continue to do through the website, davidite.com and, and, and the books and stuff, the manipulation of the world of the scene, which is obviously moving, obviously closer to a dystopia all the time, but more and more people are waking up to it, thank goodness. Um, and, and so that, that level needs uh, to be explored. But if you only look at the, the five sense world of the scene level of this conspiracy, then you're poking around in the symptoms and you're not getting near the cause. And the deeper you go in the rabbit hole, the more it takes you into um, other levels of reality, other dimensions of reality, the more you see where all this is coming from. And this global cult is not where it's coming from. It's a vehicle to express in this reality where it's coming from, which is another reality. So um, I, I looked at this uh, whole reincarnation um, philosophy and a few things uh, came to my um, came to my conclusion. One is that reincarnation is real. The reincarnation of consciousness is real. Um, and secondly, the uh, the usual explanation of reincarnation is uh, a trap. It's a nonsense. Um, you know, if you look at uh, the um, this, the mainstream scientific projection of the size of the universe, and you compare that with planet Earth. Planet Earth is about a billionth of a pinhead compared with what they perceive to be the size of the universe. Um, and it, it seems to me that the idea that you have to keep reincarnating on a billionth of a pinhead to learn the lessons so that you don't have to reincarnate is ludicrous to me. 
also the fact that you're, you're here to learn lessons so that you can evolve to enlightenment, okay? So why is my mind wiped of what I've learned before? So I start again with a blank sheet of paper. Um, and, and it seemed to me that when you leave the body, when consciousness leaves the body, um, actually the trap continues because, you know, near-death experiences, they um, give very consistent accounts of, of the tunnel or other versions of it, of being met by their religious hero, whatever religion they follow, being met by loved ones and what have you. Um, and then there's this common theme of uh, e either you're, you're given a choice, you can, you can leave or you can go back, or no, your mission's not finished yet, you have to go back. And there's this concept again and again of a, a threshold. Sometimes it's um, uh, symbolized as a, an archway, sometimes mm -hmm. as a wall. I've met, read so many of these near-death experiences accounts. But because near-death experiences, by their very nature, return, they don't pass the threshold. So my question has been, what's, what's on the other side? And as, as I put this together in the, the dream, um, it seems to me very clearly, because what, what, the way, the way I, I work, and I've always worked, all the stuff that's turned out to be true has come from the same source. It's part intuition. Like, you just know that this is a simulation, and the speed of light is its limit at this level but also um, merging with that all the tangible things that you can access. One of the things I've, I've done in the, um, in the dream is look at people's different accounts, because there are some people who claim, and certainly the ones I quote, I think are genuine, to have uh, memory of the pre-life um, uh, realm. And, and what I find uh, very compelling is that those memories tend to include technology. Technology. Because, you know, we think that um, this physical realm of, of human is, is where technology is. But, but that's only one level of it. Technology goes on into other dimensions as well. And you know, what, what we call AI that's the, just exploding now and taking the world over, I say that's coming in from the astral, from this other realm, and that AI is actually running the whole bloody show uh, on behalf of this, this consciousness that, or the, which expresses itself as, um, as, quote, aliens in their different forms, but actually in, it, in its uh, foundation form is a state of consciousness. Uh, the uh, Native Americans or some Native Americans call it Watiko or a mind virus. It's a very good description of, of what we're talking about. Um, and this um, astral uh, technology, which is obviously very much more advanced than what we see, is actually running the whole show. And what is the whole show? Yeah. It seems to me, and, and again, this is from multiple, multiple sources over the years that um, as uh, 
the Morpheus character in the Matrix was holding up a battery and saying that this is a computer generated dream world, dream world uh, designed to turn humans into one of these, a battery. That was a profound statement of truth, because what um, is happening is this force, this consciousness, this Watiko, uh, the Gnostics called uh, this uh, force Yolda Bayoth or the Demiurge, different names in different cultures, but it's a state of very imbalanced, distorted consciousness, which is running this show um, through AI technology. And it um, is um, manipulating human experience to generate low vibrational, emotional, and mental energy uh, based on fear, anxiety, hatred, uh, resentment, all these low vibrational depression, all these low vibrational states of being, as is well, well, well established, generate frequencies. And if you are in a, a state of love and joy and happiness, then you are generating high frequencies. If you're in these low frequency states based around the base um, central state of fear, then you're generating these low vibrational frequencies. Now, because this consciousness, this Watiko, is in a low vibrational state, it can only absorb low vibrational energy. And what's its source? We are. It's, it's set up this, um, this simulation. So particularly at this level, the human level, the physical level as we perceive it, the way that it's set up is designed to generate maximum amounts of that energy, which it absorbs and feeds off hence the, the battery. And so a war, like a world war, is a freaking banquet. Something like COVID or, or uh, for some, human cause climate change, uh, both hoaxes, I would strongly suggest, um, are generating low vibrational uh, uh, emotional energy, emotional response. Uh, and so my question was, so many people in this world uh, and maybe, you know, a lot of people in the West don't recognize this if they haven't traveled. But if you travel, you see that the great majority of the human race is having a very, very hard time just surviving. It's not a pleasant experience. You look across Asia, across South America, Central America, Africa. It's not a pleasant experience. It's an experience where you're going to generate lots of this energy, which um, has been given the name uh, of, uh, of Lush in um, some quarters. Um, Lush being this low vibrational energy that this force feeds off and we empower it through what we are giving off. And so my question was, OK, I can understand why consciousness might get caught in this trap and just like oh yeah what's this oh gotcha um once and then when it gets out of the body it goes i ain't going back there what <laughs> but this 
simulation, which operates on multiple levels, the astral is part of it, um, has to keep that consciousness entrapped in the, the wheel of samsara, as they call it, the wheel of reincarnation, because it doesn't want trapped uh, consciousness to get the hell out into the great infinity from which it came. So there are other levels of this uh, trap. And, you know, you, you are given various um, perceptions of afterlife reality while you're living a human life. You've got heaven, you've got hell, you've got all this stuff. And you've got this religion or that religion. The idea is that when you leave the body, it's a very different reality. It's a very much nicer reality. And if you're not very careful and you're not very streetwise, as you were talking about earlier, mm. then you can think, oh, this is heaven. It's bliss. It's like love I've never felt before. Well, hold on a second. You believe in reincarnation, right? Yeah. So what do you mean? You haven't felt it before. You must have felt it lots of times. So why, why, why do you think you're feeling it for the first time? Because it's all part of what I talk about in the, um, in the dream, about the mind wipe, the way the, the mind is wiped before you come into each incarnation. So you don't, well, some have residual memories, but most people don't have a memories of, of life before coming in. It's just a, a start again. Because they don't want you to have that memory. Why? Because you'll start to put the pieces together, which they don't want you to do. So you have this idea that you 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 um, go into a, a nicer realm, mm. and then you've got to learn lessons. Uh, the number of times I've, uh, I, I've I've read near death experiences accounts where they've talked about well, yes, and then I had to go before the elders, and they had to look at my life and i had my my life review you know I, i'm like excuse me elders stick it where it that's awesome shine. i'll decide as unique infinite consciousness what i do with my experience not you sitting around deciding what my next incarnation will be and what i'm saying ryan is that this yeah. is all part of this trap that holds you on the wheel. And, and you know, you, you talk of, I've read so many accounts from near-death experiences who say that, oh, I, 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 I had lessons to learn. I had to come back and, uh, oh, I, I did this in a previous life, so I had to experience this and uh, all that stuff. It's all part of the trap. And what I'm saying, to, just to complete the, the circle here, is what we're experiencing is an induced dream an induced dream um, where the dream is induced by the information that we are being fed. And um, I remember a long, long time ago um, when I was a, a mainstream journalist at the time. And um, I, would, um, I would wake up in the morning and, and I'd put the radio on and it would be uh, a news station. And um, I think, oh, what's the time? Oh, I've got another 10 minutes. And I, I'd, I'd go back to sleep for what seemed like a long time, but it was only a few minutes. And I dreamed, and I dreamed day after day after day. And when I woke up from the dream, the dream related to the story that was on the radio. 
Oh. So that was an induced dream. And th- that's, that's what I say this is. It's an induced dream. We are being um, given, uh, being fed a version of reality through the headset, the biological computer, as I call it. And um, if, if we don't invoke expanded states of consciousness, to override that program, to override that perception of reality we're being fed, then basically um, the, the AI, as I would say it is, 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 running, um, is running the show. But what yeah. consciousness can do is override that. And, and the, the, the people that open to consciousness and override the program, they're called the mavericks, they're called um, people who are awakening. Awakening from what? Awakening from the program. Because what, what I'm saying in the, in, the, in the dream, and I expand upon it, in, not just say it, but um, give the evidence that I say uh, supports it, um, is that there, what we call mind is an AI phenomenon. It's running through this uh, biological computer and it's, it's dictating our uh, perceptions absent consciousness to override it. Uh, and uh, so I found it interesting when I look at the spiritual uh, teachings and the, of various many kinds, they have one thing in common, they're not a lot in common, but they have this one in common. And that is they say, You've got to get beyond your mind. Mm. You've got to get beyond the barrier of your mind. So my question is, so what the hell is the mind then? What is the mind? What is this thing that we have to get over to become enlightened? So it's something stopping us becoming enlightened then. And I say that's an AI program running through the body. David, I love your answer. And one thing I really respect is that I love that you called out this whole council of elders because I've heard a lot of people have had near-death experiences that said you get the life review where you experience the action and repercussions of every action you put out into this world, which makes me wonder if these interdimensional beings that are trying to infringe upon reality will experience uh, repercussions for what they're doing. But um, this idea that in talking to some people who've had near-death experiences, they said, okay, well, after you die, you're in the human form, but then you become spirit. And then as you progress from spirit, then you realize that you are source. You are the, you are one part of the one infinite consciousness. And you had said many years ago, I've always taken this to heart. Um, you said you are a point of attraction of infinite consciousness. And that quote from you has resonated with me for so many years. And sometimes when people ask you who you are, I said, well, I'm, I'm a point of attraction for infinite consciousness. But it, it rings so true and if you are infinite consciousness, say, for example, you are just the one consciousness of being, wouldn't you want to have the curiosity of just trying to experience reality from all different types? I mean, do you think that this reincarnation cycle in some way may not necessarily be a vicious part of an extra of interdimensional beings, but as a result of the one being known as source, which is, has an insatiable curiosity, which wishes to experience all different experiences through different types of its imaginary creatures and as humans? Yeah, well, that's that's an interesting point. But I would say this: um, beyond the frequency band of visible light, which we the only thing we can see uh, as a human um, in, in terms of you know here and now, uh, is infinity, an infinity 
of forever to explore. And if you look at the human world, it may seem diverse to an extent, but it's not really. If you, if you look at all the different cultures who have different ways, it seems, of looking at the world, it's amazing the common themes that you find. Okay, so you, you come into the world and, you know, okay, you grow up, you go to school, you get told what to think, or you get told not to think. You go to university, you get told not to think in a higher level. You go out into the world and you are constantly interacting with people who've been through the same system. Uh, you get married, you have children, you grow old, you die, um, or the body does. Um, it, it's an incredibly uh, secular, repeating cycle of experience when beyond it, all infinity, all possibility lies. The amount of possibility that humans experience is absolutely tiny. And, you know, for me, this is a trap. It's not about experience. The one, one aspect of the trap is being convinced out of body, still within the simulation, but on other levels of it, that that's what you're doing. You're experiencing to learn lessons, to evolve to enlightenment. What happens when you evolve to enlightenment, according to the Eastern religions? You get out of the wheel of samsara. So um, it's, it's not um, just a case either that when you come in, you learn lessons. First of all, you're learning them all again because you've forgotten the ones you, that, that you had. It's before. horrible, isn't it? Okay. But um, you're... you're, you're, you're you're learning uh, lessons uh, in theory, but look at what actually happens. Uh, the only time I've taken a, a psychoactive drug um, was in 2003 when I took ayahuasca in a Brazilian rainforest. They're pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and, a, and a very powerful female voice spoke to me for five hours, as loud as mine is now. Yeah. And uh, as it was explaining the nature of reality, which has all turned out to be true, mm. um, it showed me at one point a picture. And what it was, it was a field, and there was a, a muddy path w across the field. And then suddenly people started falling out of the sky onto the, onto the, um, the path. And they started to walk the path. And more and more came. And as they walked the path, the path started to wear away and it got deeper and deeper. And eventually it morphed into a, uh, a groove on a old, one of those old vinyl record grooves. And, and people were walking through in the darkness of this, this record groove. And what the, the voice was saying is, in effect, that you come in to this reality through this reincarnation cycle. And you're already uh, programmed from previous experience that you drop into the program far easier. You don't question it. It's almost in, in some subconscious way familiar. And, and, and you drop into the program. And, and so what can happen as you have so-called life after life after life, human, is that you become more and more and more ingrained and perceptually entrapped 
by the constantly repeating experience. And so you're going further away yes. from enlightenment and an understanding of the true nature of self. How do you break out of it? And not, not closer to it. How do you, how do you, how do you snap it? Because I, David, I, I, you know, I don't want to come back. I, I know other people don't want to come back. I mean, you, I mean, is this your last one? I, how do you snap out of this thing? How do you, how do you consciously take efforts now in this life incarnation to ensure that you don't come back? Because I, I, I think about it all the time. I definitely don't want to come back well, to this reality. The, I, I go into that in the, uh, in, huh. in, the, in the dream. And, um, in, in, and part of it is this, a fundamental part is to realize it's a dream and it's a dream you can stop dreaming i have this phrase the dream is the dreamer and the dreamer is the dream this cycle of samsara is actually the dreamer dreaming the induced dream believing it to be real once you realize it's not real then the dream no longer affects you no longer you the dream world that you've been in um, disappears um, because, um, you know, you have dreams in sleep. Yeah. And some of them can be as real as, as, as I'm sitting here now. Um, but you wake up and you go, oh, oh, it was a dream. Well, this is a dream. It's just another kind of dream, and it's an induced dream, and that's why we are constantly being fed information to keep us in the dream. But once you realize it is a dream, and it's all nonsense, then and, and all uh, simulated nonsense, then it ceases to impact upon you because you're no longer dreaming the dream. All right, your body is still, because that's the nature of its program, its AI program, is it's um, decoding the information from the, from the field, from the matrix, uh, into this reality we experienced. But it's not affecting you in the same way, because you're like, none of it's real. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a dream. And when I leave the body and they tell me I've got to go through the tunnel and I've got to learn lessons, <laughs> it's all a freaking dream. And, and, and it, this, is, this is why they have to control our perception, not just in this reality, but of course that's what they do. And it is what censorship and everything is, all this stuff is about. It's about controlling perception because from perception comes behavior. But outside of the body, in this astral realm, this other level of the simulation, they're, all, they're also the, the target is your perception. So your perception goes from whatever you believe in the, in the, in the human uh, experience and you go out and, and now you've got to believe something else that will get you back here. And when you get back here, you'll forget all that's gone on there and you'll just think it's just another human life and you're, what's going on? It, it's, it's the first one, is it? Or whatever? I don't know, but I, I can't remember anything beyond it. And, and, and so this trap goes on and on and on. So when I say... Um, let go of the dream, realize it's all a dream. I mean all of it. Every conflict, every, um, oh, my God, have you heard the latest? Every drama. See, what, <coughs> what the drama does is it holds, you in, it holds your attention. And that, that, what, what, what is um, controlling perception? It's controlling attention. 
mm-hmm. and and what what you focus upon becomes your sense of reality. You know, if I if I'm uh, just focused on that fingernail, the rest of the room has disappeared. That that's my reality. That's my attention, my point of attention, and and so. You, you can have, um, as we are, a point of attention within infinite reality. That's what we are. But what point of attention? Are, are, are you as a point of attention where you're seeing it? You're seeing the, the, the panorama, the tapestry of infinite reality? Or have you been induced and induced and induced to focus your attention on the fact that you're human and that's who you are we're not human human is an experience it's not an i and if you notice ryan mm. because once you start to break this down and you see how it all works things that happen in everyday life start to make more and more sense and why they're happening so um point of attention human point of attention once upon a time i am a man i am having uh, i am a human man having uh, a life as a human man. I am a human woman, having a life as a human woman. They were your points of attention. Now you've got this long list of letters where your point of attention, your self-identity, who you perceive yourself to be, becomes the nature of your sexuality, the nature of the color of your skin. And all these things that are subdivisions of the previous I'm a man, I'm a woman, in the whole trans thing, everything, become more and more myopic versions of the I. And so all the time, your focus of attention on self-identity, for instance, and reality is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, instead of what it needs to do to get out of this nonsense is to become wider and wider and more and more and more expansive. Um, because this cult um, is, in the end, driven for, by a non-human force in another reality, although it's very, in terms of frequency, close to this one, um, the cult itself is compartmentalized, massively so. So the inner core of this cult within our reality knows why things are are happening and why things are being made to happen. The further you come down out of the the inner circle of the cult into other levels of the cult, compartmentalized levels, now they're starting just to do it because they're told to do it. You know, you've got people like Larry Fink at uh, BlackRock and these others like Vanguard and State Street and these big, massive trillion-dollar investment operations who are investing in companies and they're saying to them um, this is what you will do or there'll be trouble so you will have uh, this diversity trans the ESG scores yeah you will do that or you will be in trouble so they do it because they don't want to be in trouble and 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 like Bud Light Bud Light went through the same process of, of of this this wokeness that's that's devastated it um, um, financially, but there is this this um, this network that is pressurizing those corporations that don't want to do it 
into doing it, into going down this road where you, you've got more and more and more and more and more myopic senses of identity. And, and every time you go into a smaller one, you're getting further and further away from the true eye, which is a state of infinite awareness, a state of attention within infinite awareness. And what they're after is your attention. And they want to get it as myopic as possible. And this is why you're having this hysteria of censorship, because the censorship saying, if we're going to control and hijack completely people's uh, perception of attention, then we can't let them have access to other ways of looking at the world and reality. We can't. We've got to shut them down. And that's that's what they, uh, uh, of course. Um, well, what's their end game, David? I mean, it wasn't always just like to, this. What's their just end to, game? Just to finish this point, oh, sorry, right? Sorry. This is why this is why they want to connect the human uh, brain to AI, because then they don't have to manipulate your attention anymore. They're going to do it direct. And this is this is what, what, why why this stuff is is going on. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's all about attention. It's all about perception and making your self-identity as myopic as possible. Sorry, mate. Go on. No, no worry. I'm sorry for, for interrupting. You know, I, is this the, what is their end game? And are you hopeful for humanity? Because it, I, I remember when I was growing up, life wasn't like this. It just became more and more totalitarian as we got older. And with the technology, it just, it just seems to get progressively crazier. So I wonder, are we going to get to this point where we're, we're going to live in this 1984 dystopia on steroids? Or is humanity ever going to get out of this? I mean, people like you and people like Jeff and other people who are standing up and people like Ron Paul, are, they like, are you guys like the last of uh, the, the humanity's last stand for freedom? Or are we actually on the cusp of a, of a major breakthrough? Because it just seems like they're in control or they're, they're getting a lot of people to believe that they're in control. Where do you see things going? Well, um, uh, that depends on how many people are, are awakened from the dream, to be honest. Um, okay. And people are awakening from the dream, but different levels of it, not the, the level I'm talking about now, but, but, but levels of the fact that there is uh, a global manipulation going on, which is uh, pushing um, the world towards dystopia. More and more people since COVID have, have, have got that one. Mm. So that's, uh, that's encouraging, because when I started out in 1990, I mean, you know, you can you're a lone wolf interest, you know i mean but now it's 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 fantastic how many people can see at least uh levels of, of where this is going um but uh, it's uh it's difficult to call because um it depends on how many people um awaken from the dream and what we've seen um over the the years over the, the decades, the millennia, is that there are three types of mentality, basically. Um, and the first two types have been responsible for every tyranny in history. Um, the first type is that which just takes what it's told by authority and believes it without question, it just does what it's told. Um, and the second type, is that which can see it's not right and would rather not do it, but fears the consequences for itself of not doing it and thus does it anyway. Now, those two mentalities have been responsible for every tyranny in history because um, 
fascists, for instance, don't bring in fascism. Um, there's never enough of them to do it. Fascism emerges because the population acquiesced to fascism and in the end acquiesced to it so much it becomes them. And then you've got the third group, and this is the, the group we're talking about now, um, which can see that it's not right on some level, or even massively or to some point, can see it's not right and will not cooperate with it, will not cooperate with its own enslavement, will not cooperate with its own children and grandchildren's enslavement. And that's the group that has to get bigger and bigger and bigger because, you know, you, you can talk about um, politicians. And, and for me, that's just a massive diversion. Mm -hmm. See, for me, politics is a holding position. You can have politicians in there that uh, 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 will really push the agenda forward, like Biden, well, not Biden, it's not his own name, but I mean, the people running Biden's administration yeah. will really push this on. And, and then you can have others come along and say they represent the, the people that don't want it, but still, even if they're genuine, and not many are, um, they'll say, tell you what, give me your power and I'll sort it. And it's a holding position. Okay, so we'll just sit here then and you'll sort it. You know all this QAnon stuff? Yeah. Or, you know, trust the plan. What bloody plan, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so it's a holding position. And it buys time to push on this agenda to, to where they want it to be by 2030 and even earlier. Um, and it's obscuring very simple mathematics. There's 8 billion people in the world, they tell us, and the number of people in full knowledge who are pushing the world in this direction is a fraction, a tiny, tiny, almost laughable fraction in full knowledge. Um, and the rest are just doing what they're told because that's what they do and, and, and imposing on people what the tiny few have decided is going to be imposed on the people. So if you look at pure mathematics, um, there's no way in the world that a, um, a tiny few should be able to impose its will upon 8 billion people. The fact that he can do it is the first two groups. That's how it's done. And the third group is where the answer lies. And it's in complete non-cooperation with our own enslavement. I mean, we've got a guy in London, right, who uh, is mayor of London. He's called Sadiq Khan, extraordinarily sinister man, Labour Party um, politician, but actually just a, a, a gopher for the, uh, the deeper levels of this. And he's imposing um, upon the entirety of London, the outer London as well, something called the ULES policy, ultra low emission zone. And by the end of this month, it will mean that people who don't have vehicles uh, that um, are acceptable to this ULES um, policy are going to have to pay £12.50 a day, a yes. day to use their vehicle. And he's putting cameras all over the place and number plate cameras to pick up this stuff because it's not really for that. It's for obviously much more um, expansive control reasons. 
Now, I don't know, what is it, 10 million, probably more people in London, and probably 8 million don't want it. But one man is imposing it. Now, what's starting to happen in London is more and more people are taking action to um, not cooperate with it. We've even got councils in London now who are saying we won't put up the, the signs, um, councils within, within the, the, the great London urban area that the Sadiq Khan runs, are saying we won't put your signs up so you can't have your bloody ULES. And this is what needs to happen. More and more people need to say, need to first of all see what's happening. And then I'm not having it. Because if people like in the second group or I can see some of it, I don't want it. But what are the consequences for me? They should they should just focus on this. The consequences of you accepting it and and, uh, acquiescing to it are going to be far, far more sinister and far more horrific than you standing up now and saying, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And this is what it needs. You know, that guy. Sadiq Khan, it's just an example, but a very potent one. He sits on top of a structure where there's people all the way down the structure of the Greater London Council that are administering and putting into um, imposing on the people policies of this one man. It's just very symbolic of this global cult and how it works. Now, a lot of them, certainly in the lower levels of the of the of the council, will be subject to this twelve pound fifty a day because they won't have a vehicle that complies with the ULES uh, policy. Uh, but they're still helping to impose it. And you know, if if people just said we're not cooperating, we are not going to do this, then this guy Khan has no power. The power is in the acquiescence of people to what he says should happen. One bloke. And, you know, people say it's not possible for a few to control the world. It's dead easy. It's dead easy because of this um, structure. If if you um, imagine a, um, a pyramid and at the top you've got the inner core of this cult. And as you come down, you've got progressively levels of the pyramid human society that have less and less and less and less and less knowledge that there is an inner circle of the cult or there is a cult at all and so the whole um, pyramid the whole of human society is controlled by a simple combination of imposition and acquiescence without the acquiescence there can be no imposition So the two have to go together. So the inner core of the cult decides this is what the policy is going to be for the world, for the country, whatever it is. And the next level under them of the structure says, I'm going to acquiesce to what you told me and I'm going to impose it on the level below me. And very soon after you you come down from that inner core of the cult, you're meeting levels of human society that have no idea there is a cult. All they're doing is accepting imposition from uh, their perceived above and imposing it on their perceived below. And so it comes down the pyramid, imposition, acquiescence, imposition, acquiescence, imposition, acquiescence, until you reach the level of the mass of the population. And if we um, acquiesce, 
to that level of the pyramid that's imposing upon us, imposing that will upon us, governments, corporations, uh, banking systems, all these uh, levels that impose upon us, then we complete the circuit. We complete a circuit between the inner core of the cult and the mass of the population in which the will of the cult becomes the life of the population simply through imposition, acquiescence, imposition, acquiescence. Mm. And at some point, that acquiescence has to be broken because without that, there can be no imposition. But what it takes is, first of all, the self-respect to look and see and question, and then the self-respect to say, I'm not bloody having it, and I'm not playing my part in it being imposed. And if enough people do that, the house of cards comes down, because that's what it is, a house of cards. And what's interesting is that, again, if you look at what brings down tyrannies through history, it's never the majority. It's never even nearly the majority. It might be in the end, and they say, oh, we did it. Well, actually, you just followed those who did it. Um, but it's a small number of people, relatively, who are in that mindset of, I have self-respect, and I'm not um, giving it to you. And I'm not accepting what you are seeking to impose upon me and my family. They're the ones that start the the dominoes falling until eventually the, the whole thing comes down. Um, and uh, it's never 50%. It's never even nearly 50%, which is, which is very comforting because it ain't got to be 50% to do it now. Uh-huh. But that, that's the mentality that we want. And, the, and, you know, a lot of this, all of this, in fact, this, this spiritual awareness and this, knowledge of the true self-identity, the true infinite I, and what I'm talking about, absolutely come together. Because if you believe that what you are is a human being for three score years and 10 or less, then that gives you a certain way of looking at the world. And you're, you're, you're seeking to eke out um, your human life as long as you can so it's like that's why people give their power to doctors oh save me doctor so i can stay here a bit longer or um you know I, i'm, I'm going to keep my head down because i don't want the consequences on on, on my my three score years and ten but when you uh, 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 understand that this is just a brief experience called human And this is just the vehicle that allows you infinite awareness, infinite consciousness, all that is, has been, and ever can be to experience this lunatic asylum for a short time. Then how long you stay here and what happens to you while you are here takes on a very different perspective because now you know this is just a brief experience. So what happens, happens. But what I'm going to do why I am, I am here is I'm going to have my self-respect and I'm not going to accept tyranny. And, and that will allow you, that does allow you, to say things and do things that are very different to someone who's in the myopia of I'm just a human and that's, 
that's all I am. So I, I want to live as long as I can. Um, and you, what you find is, too, that as you expand your awareness and you, you tap into these uh, massively more um, expansive awareness levels of reality, and they start to work through you, you find that actually um, the power that you thought you didn't have, you do have. And how you, um, you can avoid the consequences that others fear because you have taken control of your reality. You've taken control of your dream. You, you know that this is, this is a, a, an induced dream. You know that you have the power connected to these expansive levels of awareness to dictate your own dream. And in that way, um, the whole house of cards comes down because the whole structure of the simulation is based on control of perception and making that perception as myopic as possible. And it's oh. interesting, Ryan, you know, when you look at the difference between um, the human reality and the after uh, human reality, the similarities are absolutely fantastic. They may seem different because the after uh, human reality is 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 different because they want to induce the fact that we're we're in some kind of heaven or spiritual bloody realm. Um, in fact, people call it the spirit realm, mm. the spirit world. But actually, what I find when I look at the world and I look at these things is it's not the differences that strike me. It's how so much is the same. Okay. So you're in, you're in the human world and we're in those first two um, mentalities, particularly the first one, which just uh, follows authority without question because authority tells you what to think because I've got no power. Uh, you're up there, see, and I'm down here. So uh, you tell me what to do because I don't know that that's the mentality. So you, you, Give your power away to authority. That's what you do. That, that's why we got into this mess. You leave the body. And elders are there. And I'm not digging the elders when I'm dead. Archangels. Archangels. <laughs> and not impressed with them either. Spiritual teachers, right? They're there. And they're now your new authority. You've gone from... Well, what's the prime minister say? What's the president say? What does Bill Gates say to <laughs> What do the elders say? It's the same mentality. Giving that is awesome. Power away to your perceived betters. You are all that is, has been, and ever can be. What, how much better do you want to be? I've never heard anyone call them out before. I know we're time. I'd love to just ask you one more question because I just, I love what you just said. David, I've had a, a shift in perspective in the last couple of months. I just want to share this with you. And I don't know if this resonates with you at all, but I used to see what was going on in the world and I would always get angry, get an emotional reaction, very angry. And then I, I started changing where instead of getting angry, I started laughing at it. I started laughing at, at the evil. And I, I feel like I, it was a shift in perception. I feel like I was just pissing off the evil a lot more by laughing at it. And then on top of that, instead of, um, trying to always talk to people about what was going on in the world. I, I try to make it a point to, to make someone feel good or to pay them a compliment, to put them in a, in a positive state. And 
based on what you said before about the simulated reality, about how these beings are feasting upon human anxiety and anger, can you combat this darkness by just being good to people, just by being kind and genuine, by sharing love, and just by putting people in a state where they're not feeling anxiety? If you see someone that's down, can you make them laugh? Is that part of the uh, tools to actually push back against evil? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're switching the tap off. You're turning the battery off. When, when you do that. And, you know, that, that's a very good point that you make about authority too. I've made it so many times myself. Um, authority has to be obeyed. It has a sense of omnipotence. You know, you see, you know, that we, we've, um, we've, we've got a, a, a Labour Party in this country that has an anthem called the, the red flag, you know, the red flag flying here. But there's another version it, a version of it which goes, the working class can kiss my ass. I've got the foreman's job at last. In other words, you get a bit of authority and suddenly you're better than everybody else. Now, what undresses that mentality faster than anything, I know because I've done it, is not taking it seriously, not not um, not being intimidated by it. You know, I'm thinking. So, who are you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I say I say to some of these people over the years, you know, like police police officers and and, and people uh, with uniforms on of various kinds. Um, you've got no power, mate. Your power's in the uniform, which is an extension of the state. You're just animating it. Take your uniform off. Where's your power? You got none. You know, so you don't take them seriously and you do laugh. You, you know, you will have found this if you, if you get in a state where someone's really coming on the old authority. If you just laugh at them, it's the, you're That's so funny, you are. And they, <laughs> they don't know what to do because their dynamic is I have the power and you acquiesce to my power. When you don't, they don't know what to do. And, and that's why I've, I've lived my life um, over the last uh, 34 years now, um, when I've been on this road, just actually calling these people out and calling them what they are. I mean, let's not look at the UN Secretary General, um, Antonio Guterres, and say, oh, it's a, he's an intelligent man. He's a, he's a moron. He's a moron reading his script written for him. What what do I say today? Oh, we've gone from uh, uh, climate crisis to to it's now not global warming. It's global. Does that say boiling? Yeah, boiling. It's it's boiling. Yeah, he's a moron reading his script. And all these people um, are in the world of the scene. So you just don't take them seriously. And 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 like I, I said in relation to politics. Instead of looking for a saviour and looking for someone to do it for you who won't, holding position, just stop cooperating with your own enslavement. And, and as more and more people do that, the whole house of cards comes down because who's holding it together? We are. We are. Got to wake them up. Mr. David I can want to thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, I'll tell you, you are such a trip. You are, I, I love your perspectives. And you are the, I mean, you were the lone wolf 
And every I just love how again in 2020, everyone's like, well, I guess David Icke was right about a few things. No, you're right about a lot of things. Uh, David's new book is the dream, the extraordinary revelation of who we are and where we are. It's coming out. We'll put a link on there. And again, go to davidike.com. Love your news updates. And uh, David, thank you for all that you do for humanity. You are a, a great warrior. Thank you. Well, thanks. It's a great pleasure. Um, yeah, the, the the books are open for um, uh, pre-order now. It's uh, out on uh, September the 1st. And I'm, I'm on a, well, it's going to be interesting, Brian, actually, because I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm doing a speaking tour in England for the first time. I'm is that the hidden tour? Yeah, yeah, the secret tour. Yeah, I'm banned, secret tour. <laughs> I'm banned from 26 European countries. Good. Uh, wow. Yeah, and, and Australia, you know. But I'm, I'm trying to talk in my own country now. Well, the Britain, <laughs> Scotland, and Ireland, and uh, Wales, and, uh, and and England. But it's called the secret tour because this this is where we've got. Um, <laughs> we're only letting the audience know. We're, we're telling them the city it's in, mm-hmm. uh, but we're only letting the audience know the actual venue 90 minutes before I start. Because if uh, if the venue is known before, then they just get massively targeted until they give up. Um, so um, and then you know you you don't have a venue to speak at. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how that goes. But um, you know, thirty four years in, you just keep going. You don't keep stop. Going. You don't stop and say, "Oh no, don't say that about me." Don't, don't say what you like about me. Boom, 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 and you keep going. And, and, you know, you'll have found this. I've certainly found this. You've got people, oh, yeah, yeah stop him, stop him. Oh, he's this, uh, and then they fade away. Whatever happened to them? I don't know. Boom, boom, boom. And then others come in and they have a go and they fade away. Whatever happened to them? I've seen them, heard from them for ages. Boom, boom. And you just keep moving uh, and keep walking. And uh, you don't get caught in defending yourself or, um, trying to justify yourself. You just do what you know to be right and the outcome will take care of itself. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest and special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, Please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.